the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. From electing a new convention president to debating the five points of Calvinism, much has happened in the last few days in Greensboro, North Carolina. We'll address all of these issues today along with some interviews with movers and shakers in the convention. This is Denny Burke in for Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's today's host, Denny Burke. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. This is Denny Burke, in for Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson has been away this week at the Southern Baptist Convention in Greensboro, North Carolina, and you have been listening to him broadcast from there all week, talking to different figures in the Southern Baptist Convention. And so that's been sort of a theme this week on the show, uh, what's happening at the Southern Baptist Convention. Why in the world should you care about the Southern Baptist Convention? Uh, I know that many of you out there aren't even Baptists. Well, uh, Dr. Johnson's been addressing that question this week, and I hope that you've been able to listen to some of it. Today is the last and final day uh, of the meeting of that convention, and things will be closing up tonight, I think, around 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And there is some news out of the convention, and we're going to be talking about some of those things. Uh, Probably the big news is that the, the convention elected a new president, And we'll be talking about that in just a little bit. And there is an interview that Dr. Johnson did with that new president, Dr. Frank Page, that we'll be playing towards the end of the show. We'll also play some other interviews uh, that Dr. Johnson did while he was in Greensboro. We're going to do an interview that he uh, did with uh, Judge Paul Pressler, hopefully if there's time at the end, and also an interview he did with Fred Barnes. We're also going to be talking some of the things that they were debating at the convention Probably the biggest seminar or breakout session that that happened at the convention this week was a debate between two seminary presidents, Dr. Albert Moeller of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, debated Dr. Paige Patterson of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And these two, I think they said they didn't really want to call it a, a debate so much as it was a dialogue. And they dialogued about the issue of Calvinism and its place within the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, maybe some of you have never heard that word before, Calvinism. It's a theological term. It describes a theological system. And I want to hear from you what you think about Calvinism. What role does it play in your church? I'm going to unpack what Calvinism is here in just a little bit. Talk about their debate about it in just a little bit, but give us a call if you'd like to talk about that at 1-800-881-1111. 
1-800-881-9270. Our number here is 1-800-881-9270. What do you think about Calvinism? Does it have a role in your church? Do you go to a Southern Baptist church? Do you think it's a teaching that uh, relates to Southern Baptist churches at all? So give us a call, 1-800-881-9270. We have some audio from the convention, just a few highlights of some things that happened over the last day or so that we want to play for you. The Reverend Bill Curtis, chairman of the Southern Baptist International Mission Board, speaking at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting about Robert Record. I would affirm with you the gratitude that we share as a board of trustees for the ministry of Dr. Record while he served with us, as well as his willingness to make a difficult decision for the good of our agency as we've walked through some very difficult days. And they have been having some turmoil there at the International Mission Board. Also, Amir Kanner, professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, spoke at the, at the meeting on training seminary students that may convert Muslims to Christianity. The type of student that we should have at the College of Southwestern is one that one day wants to say, I want to start the First Baptist Church of Mecca. I want to be the one that goes a yard from the gates of hell to share Jesus Christ with a people they've never met. That was Amir Kerner of Southern Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And the Associated Press's Steve Coleman gave a wrap of Fred Luter's sermon asking for God's power. Southern Baptists at their annual meeting admit it will take an act of God for them to meet their president's goal of baptizing a million new converts in the year beginning last October 1st. The Reverend Fred Luter told his fellow Baptists, We can't do this by ourselves. We can't win the loss by ourselves. We can't fulfill the Great Commission by ourselves. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he prayed. Holy Spirit will give us new power. Power to walk right. Power to talk right. Power to preach right. Power to sing right. Power to serve right. Power that enables us to share the gospel. Power that enables us to witness. Power that enables us to evangelize. Power that enables us to win the loss. I'm Steve Coleman. And also, Dr. Tony Evans of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship here in Dallas spoke at the convention saying that the church today is not impacting the culture as it should. There appears to be a problem. How can we have all these churches on all these corners with all these members and all these preachers and all these deacons and all these programs and still have all this mess? There must be a dead monkey on the line somewhere. Classic Dr. Evans. That was really good. Well, this is all about happening at the Southern Baptist Convention in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, the big news, like I said before, is that they've elected a new president, and this new president is somewhat of an outsider. Uh, he was, uh, I guess you could say, a dark horse candidate. He was not one of the front runners at all uh, coming into the convention, and but he did come up with a win on this. He won 50.48% of the vote, beating out two other men, Dr. Jerry Sutton and also Ronnie Floyd. Uh, these two guys split the other 48% or so, and Frank Page beat them both in one ballot. So there wasn't even a runoff. And so it was a big news. Everyone was surprised. There was a story this morning in the New York Times uh, covering this election at the Southern Baptist Convention. It says the 16 million Southern Baptists in the United States have a new president, 
elected on Tuesday in a surprise victory that he called a turning point for a church that needs to engage more of its members. The new president, Frank S. Page, is pastor of a megachurch in Taylors, South Carolina. He won more than 50% of the vote in a three-way contest that he entered late. His opponents were Ronnie Floyd of Springdale, Arkansas, and Dr. Jerry Sutton of Nashville. Generally, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention is elected unopposed, but Dr. Page and his supporters said his election on the first ballot on the first full day of the annual meeting of the convention did not mean that the nation's largest Protestant denomination would change its views on social issues like same-sex marriage and abortion that the three candidate, that all three candidates generally opposed. And he said, I do not want anyone to think that I am out to undo a conservative movement. So Dr. Page is somewhat of an outsider to the recent, well, in recently, recent years, I should say, of a convention that in recent years has gone very conservative He's an outsider, but he still claims to uh, conservative credentials. So we'll see how all this is going to come out. And we'll look forward to his interview with Dr. Johnson later in the show. Another thing that happened at the convention I mentioned a moment ago that has been generating a lot of news stories and interest on the blogs was a debate that happened between Dr. Albert Moeller of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Dr. Paige Patterson of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And Moeller and Patterson sort of went at it over the issue of Calvinism. Now, I understand that, you know, many of you out there, you listen, you're listening to the show, you're thinking, I don't know what in the world Calvinism is. Some of you do. You already have an opinion about Calvinism. I want you to call in with that opinion. The number is 1-800-881-9270. Our number here is 1-800-881-9270. Tell us what you think about Calvinism and its place within your church, perhaps even your Southern Baptist church, because this was debated at the Southern Baptist Convention just this week. The number is 1-800-881-9270. We want to hear from you about this issue of Calvinism, and let me just give you a thumbnail sketch exactly of exactly what Calvinism is. Uh, Calvinism, it's funny because it's mainly associated with five points, five points that are associated with an acrostic that we can call TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. And these are what the five points of the TULIP acrostic stand for. They stand, first of all, for total depravity. This is the teaching that man, by his nature, is born into a state of sin and that he is utterly in bondage to his sin such that he does not desire God. Uh, He does not, in and of himself, have a desire for the Lord. He is so depraved and so lost in his sinfulness that apart from God, apart from the Lord doing a work in his heart, he will never choose to seek after God or to, or to choose to, to believe the gospel. So that's total depravity uh, in the first letter of the tulip acrostic. Then there's the U that stands for unconditional election. This is the teaching that God has chosen from before the foundation of the world a group of people who would be saved. And God chooses those people or elects those people, not on condition of anything that he sees within those people because he thinks they're good or smart or better than other people. He chooses these people unconditionally. Uh, Truly, the reason for his choosing them is based upon his own goodness and grace, not based upon anything that he sees within that individual, including uh, that they uh, 
foreknowledge of a fact that maybe they would choose him. So that's unconditional election. Then there's limited atonement. This is the teaching. T-U-L, limited atonement is the teaching that Christ's atonement is applied and limited to and intended for only the elect, the people that God chose. And so that's limited atonement. I, in the tulip acrostic, T-U-L-I, is irresistible grace, the teaching that the grace that brings one to salvation is irresistible. Once God has chosen a person to be saved, once God has called that person to be saved, his call is irresistible and cannot be refused by the sinner who is believing the gospel. And then there's the P in the tulip acrostic, T-U-L-I-P, perseverance of the saints. This is the teaching that those whom God has called and elected, those whom he has irresistibly drawn to himself to be saved, those people will persevere in faith and in holiness for eternity. So that's the tulip acrostic. That's Calvinism. I want to know what you think about it. Give me your view on it. We're going to talk about what Dr. Moeller and Dr. Patterson said about it. Call us at 1-800-881-9270. 1-800-881-9270. What's your view on this? We do have one caller on the line. His name is Frank, and I think he's on a mobile phone. Frank, are you there? Frank is not there yet. I am here. Oh, I can Frank. Hear you. Can you hear me? I got you now, Frank. Okay. You've got a question or comment? Uh, I was going to make a comment. I am part of a denomination that has taken a stand against believing in unconditional security of the believer, although uh, that's, you know, that has its place and I could discuss Calvinism. But for me, the thing that I wonder about is how God can give us free will. Because he is omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty, how can he create us and give to us free will? Frank, can you hang on with us till after the break? And we'll answer that question when we come back. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We look forward to seeing you after the break. Call us at 1-800-881-9270. Question or comments about Calvinism and the Southern Baptist Convention. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show from Criswell College and Criswell Communications for relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective. You may email your comments or questions about today's show to talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. And the phone lines are open at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. Now here's today's host, Denny Burke. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. This is Denny Burke. I am in for Dr. Johnson. He's been away all week at Greensboro, North Carolina at the Southern Baptist Convention. We've been talking about things that happened at the convention this week. They've elected a new president, Dr. Frank Page. We're also talking about a debate that happened between two Southern Baptist seminary presidents. Dr. Paige Patterson and Al Moeller debated the issue of Calvinism in the Southern Baptist Convention. We talked about the tulip acrostic in the last segment, about what Calvinism is, at least the five points as those are articulated. And we left with Frank on the line. Frank uh, asked a question. And Frank, are you still there? Yes, sir. I'm still here. Yeah. So tell us uh, once again, what is it that your issue is at your church? Uh, well, with my church, we do not believe in Calvinism. We are against that. Uh, but my question was, just for discussion, how can God give us free will? I guess that's the thing I've been thinking about lately. I can understand God requiring us or knowing and com- knowing our knowing us by foreknowledge and committing us to a particular path, but how can he allow us to have free will? To me, that is the marvel that I have a choice. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question, Frank. You know, it's interesting. People have defined free will differently over the centuries. And, you know, for me, the real question is, is what does the Bible teach about uh, our wills and how free actually are are we according to Scripture? Uh, One point that probably most Baptists would agree with is that uh, well, I think all Baptists would agree with, Southern Baptists, is that all people are born, in, born into a state of sin and that they are corrupt in their natures. And But where they disagree is that the extent to which that corruption has affected our ability to uh, desire and know spiritual things. And this is where the divide is between Calvinists and non-Calvinists. And, uh, you know, I would argue, I think biblically, that our wills have been very... Uh, adversely affected by the fall and because of sin. And so you can think, for instance, of of scriptures like uh, Romans chapter 3 that says there's none who seek God, there's not even one. And he goes through this litany of, of a description of what it looks like to be a sinner. So when you think about our wills, our wills are are influenced by our sinful natures, and that's uh, one of the... So we're not free in that sense. We're not free from being influenced... Uh, by our sinful natures, and I would argue that we're radically depraved. I think that we are totally de- depraved, and I think that that's something that's borne out in the rest of Scripture. We do have another caller on the line. Uh, Mark in Mobile has a comment on the acrostic. Mark, welcome to the show. Are you there, Mark? Mark, you know, I, <laughs> I just said Mark is in Mobile. I think that meant Mark is on a mobile. Uh is Mark going to be on the line? There he comes. Well, Mark, I guess we lost you. Uh, we'll wait, and maybe we can get Mark on in just a minute. We have another caller on the line. Jameson is on a car phone, and uh, he's not quite ready to be on either. 
Well, that's all right, because there's uh, much we could talk about just with Frank's question, because the issue of the freedom of the will and election, God's choosing, the freedom of his will, is probably what's at the heart of this issue of Calvinism, and it was at the heart of much of what was debated uh, at the Southern Baptist Convention between Dr. Al Mohler and Dr. Paige Patterson. We want to hear your view on this. You can give us a call at 1-800-881-9270, 1-800-881-9270, with what your view is on Calvinism. What do you think about the acrostic I just gave? Uh, how does this figure in at your church? Is it something your church rejects or holds to? Does this affect your church's uh, practice of evangelism? Uh, that was a, a, a big issue at the convention as they debated it. We do have someone on the line, Jay is on line three with a question or comment. Jay, are you there? I'm here. All right. I'm so glad. Jay. uh, Yes, my comment is that I can't agree with the Calvinists because, as I told the man, that uh, God desires all men everywhere to be saved. And uh, if you agree with the Calvinists, then what's the use of evangelism? Because God's already picked out everybody. And I'll hang up. Thank you. Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate that, Jay. And that is usually one of the uh, issues that's brought up uh, when people say that they don't believe in Calvinism, because if God has already chosen who will be saved, then why in the world would you evangelize? Why would you share the gospel with people? Uh, That's irrelevant. And I'm really glad that Moeller and and Calvinism, Moeller and Patterson in their debate uh, both agreed that, look, uh, whether or not you're a Cal- whether you're a Calvinist, a Baptist Calvinist or not, uh, believers can disagree on the topic while remaining friends and unified in the goal of evangelism and missions. And so it's important to note that just regular Calvinism is not anti-evangelistic in principle. Uh, even even Calvinists believe that you you must do evangelism and missions. You must you must do Matthew 28. Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of every nation. But there is such a thing as hyper-Calvinism, and hyper-Calvinism is a phenomenon that's existed in the history of, of Christianity, and this is the teaching that, that uh, kills evangelism and missions, and that is you should only preach the gospel to those people who are the elect and who show signs of being the elect, and you don't preach to everybody. And uh, a person like Albert Moeller, who's a five-point Calvinist, would reject that kind of a teaching and agreed with Paige Patterson that, no, we must evangelize the world. So it's important, as you think about these things, not to confuse Calvinism with hyper-Calvinism, which is an anti-evangelistic kind of a movement. We do have another person on the line. Garth is on a cell phone. Garth, welcome to the program. Well, hello. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you. I just happened to be going around the channels on my way back uh, from uh, Fort Worth, and uh, I was fascinated. What what actually happened in the debate between the two gentlemen? I'm familiar with both of them. We used to go to a Southern Baptist church many years ago. Oh, well, it it actually kind of ended up, I think, sort of as an ironic thing. They both uh, expressed that they were friends. Uh, They both expressed that their theological theological agreement on a number of issues, like substitutionary atonement, you know, just some basic orthodox views. They both agreed that you had to have world evangelization, that uh, neither one of them holds to a view that would exclude giving the gospel to everyone in the world. And uh, so there was a lot of agreement, but they did, you know, state what their disagreements were. And Patterson and Moeller are in disagreement on Calvinism. Patterson's really opposed to 
Irresistible Grace, for instance, uh, and he, he mentioned that. He mentioned a failure of certain Reformed pastors not being completely forthright about their views when they're being interviewed by pulpit committees and so forth. And uh, and actually, Patterson mentioned a verse that our last caller mentioned, First First Timothy chapter 2. So it's a very interesting uh, debate, and Moeller expressed that he was glad that, you know, that were it not for the conservative resurgence, they may not, may not even be debating that issue at the convention. They might be debating the the uh, ordination of homosexuals, which is what a lot of other denominations are dealing with. So that's kind of what it was like, and, and they did go on and talk about all the ins and outs of the different issues of Calvinism. Well, that, that's uh, I appreciate you going into that a little bit more detail. We um, When I... Uh first became a Christian many years ago, we attended Southern Baptist churches for, for many years, and I taught Sunday school, went through the Southern Baptist material, and it was actually, uh, we actually ended up going to a church which, if you want to call it Calvinism, we actually call it the Doctrines of, of Grace, yes, and yes. we actually go to a, um, a Bible church, uh, kind of a Bible church now that, uh, so that was one of the reasons that we stopped going to a Southern Baptist church, was because uh, we felt like it wasn't conservative enough for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for that call, Garth. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, one of the most famous Baptists in history was a Calvinist, and uh, uh, it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon of England. We actually named our son after him. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yes, we did. We named our son Charles Haddon. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, he's one of the most—thank you for your call, Garth. Yeah, he's one of the most famous Calvinist Baptists that there there was, and he was obviously a great evangelist. And uh, But there have there has been in the history, of, in Baptist history— uh, two different traditions. There has been a tradition of non-Calvinistic Baptist and Calvinistic Baptist, and you see both uh, when you look at that. And there's an argument among Baptist historians about who lays claim to, you know, being the most Baptist. It was were the Calvinists the earliest Baptists, or were the non-Calvinists the earliest Baptists? Moeller has a view on that, and I think Dr. Patterson has a different view on it. We do have someone else on the line. Uh, Wes is on line two. Wes, welcome to the program. I think Wes is there somewhere. Are you there, Wes? Well, maybe we'll get Wes in just a second. If you have a question or comment about what we're talking about, Calvinism, 1-800-881-9270. Give us a call. We want to hear from you. The number is 1-800-881-9270. What's your view on this? Uh, I'd like to squeeze in as many of you caller, as many callers as I can before we get to the interviews at the bottom of the hour. We're going to be having an interview with Frank Page, the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and also with Fred Barnes, uh, editor of the Weekly Standard. So uh, I think we have Wes on the, li- the line now. Wes, welcome now? to the pro- Yeah, Hello. I've got you. Wes, you're here. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Question or comment? Okay. I'm on a mobile phone and uh, driving home from work, so I uh, may have some background noise here. That's okay. Very You've only got a couple minutes. Very quickly, I wanted to ask you a quick question, and I'll hang up and listen. Uh, is it possible for a person under, uh, under the Calvinistic uh, religion to uh, commit a felony and still go to heaven? I'll hang up and listen. Okay, Wes, thank you so much for that call. And I'm going to have to wait till after the break to answer it. Uh, and we'll want to hear from more of you if we have time later on. The number is 1-800-881-9270. 1-800-881-9270. When we come back, just a few more comments, and then we'll go to some interviews with Frank Page and Fred Barnes. We'll see you then.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show from Criswell College and Criswell Communications for relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective. You may email your comments or questions about today's show to talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. And the phone lines are open at 1-800-881-9270. That's 1-800-881-9270. Now here's today's host, Denny Burke. Welcome back to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking about Calvinism and the Southern Baptist Convention. Give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. We'd like to hear from you about this. Wes asked me before the break, can a person who believes in Calvinism... Uh, does that person think that a saved person can commit a felony? The short answer is yes. <laughs> you don't graduate from your ability to commit heinous sin just because you're saved. Um, so that's the, sor- the short answer. I wish we had more time to develop that biblically, but there, Tyler is on the line. He's in his car. And Tyler, you have a question or comment? Tyler, you're on the air. <laughs> I can hear Tyler's car, but I can't hear Tyler. Oh, well, I guess we lost Tyler. Well, what we were talking about with Wes was uh, about the issue. Of, really, it's a question about total depravity. Is a person who's saved, uh, what's the extent of their depravity once they're saved? And you don't lose your sinful nature or your proclivity or your uh, tendency to sin just because you become a saved person and you become or say if you're chosen by God under the Calvinist system. As a matter of fact, the Calvinist has a, an appreciation for uh, the depth of sin that actually a person could fall into. And what the Calvinist believes is not that a person stops sinning when they become a Christian. Uh, they, they believe that they become one who struggles against their sin. And so you don't lose your ability to sin uh, you know, under the Calvinist system of what it means to be saved. So we want to hear what your thoughts are about this. Give us a call at 1-800-881-9270. The number is 1-800-881-9270. We're talking about Calvinism, the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, one of the big stories that's coming out of, the, of Greensboro, North Carolina this week, where they were having their meeting, was a debate between Dr. Albert Moeller and Dr. Paige Patterson over this issue. We have Nandy, who is on the line now with a question or comment. Nandy. Yes, sir. My, uh, I have a question, and uh, my problem is with the, um, the part of the Calvinist theory about uh, limited atonement. Mm. Does, does it not make nonsense of John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever, not a restricted few, I need your opinion on that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that call, Nandy. Yeah, well, a Calvinist would say, and, and, and by the way, a lot of people who call themselves Calvinistic uh, may or may not hold to this particular point of limited atonement. Uh, there are a lot of people who call themselves four-point Calvinists. I know uh, John MacArthur called himself kind of a four-point Calvinist for a number of years. Uh and so they, they would hold every other point, but not necessarily limited atonement. But the way most Calvinists would answer that is it's true. For God so loved the world that whoever uh, whoever believes will be saved. Who, uh, you know, that's they believe that. The question is not, uh, you know, can they be saved? Anyone who believes be saved. The question is, who is it that's going to believe? And the Calvinist says that only the elect person is is the one who's going to be able to believe. So 
I think uh, we've got Tyler back on the line. And so, Tyler, quickly, we've got a quick question or comment. Uh, real quick question, Dr. Burke. Can you hear me this time? Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, you had done a show, I believe, last week about the uh, hierarchy of um, doctrinal issues. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was just curious, on your view of where Calvinism versus free will falls in that realm, and then further, where, where you think the stance of the, the, the convention in that area? Well, the... I can tell you both. I can answer both of those for you. Thank you. That's a great question. Actually, uh, it, it's not a first order doctrine. In other words, you don't have to uh, you don't have to be a Calvinist to be a Christian. You don't have to be a non Calvinist to be a Christian. You can di- you can disagree on this issue and still be a Christian. And so I would affirm, uh, uh, and Dr. Moeller would affirm, and Dr. Patterson would affirm that we're all brothers and sisters, even though we disagree on this issue. However, it could be an issue in different churches, so it shouldn't divide Christian from non-Christian, but it should it might d- divide people in terms of where they worship, because uh, people tend to have very specific doctrinal statements depending on what church you go to. Some churches make this an issue uh, where you have to agree on it to be a member of the church. Some don't. So it just depends on, you know, from church to church. Within the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, you have Calvinistic Baptists and you have non-Calvinistic Baptists. You even have more Calvinistic seminaries and less Calvinistic seminaries in the Southern Baptist Convention. And that's even reflected in the seminary heads that we saw debating in Moeller and Dr. Patterson. Well, we're short on time here. We've got an interview that Dr. Johnson did with the newly elected president, Dr. Frank Page of the Southern Baptist Convention. And here's that interview. My guest is Dr. Frank Page. He's pastor of the First Baptist Church of Taylor, South Carolina. Welcome to the program, Dr. Page. Thank you, Jerry. Good to be here. Dr. Page, tell us um, the best thing you can think about the SBC today, the Southern Baptist Convention. What are you excited about? I think there is a a wave of um, untapped energy and excitement and wisdom and experience on the part of many, many people, pastors and lay people that are just ready to be unleashed. What does the Southern Baptist Convention need? And really, if you're elected, what would your presidency be about? How we do mission work and how we do convention work. I would hope that we could draw together some groups that have become rather disparate and uh, rather separate and uh, really almost exclusionary Mm. and pull some people together to say the work that we're involved in in missions evangelism is of extreme importance and we need to work better together. I think some folks think you might be kind of a big tent conservative. I'll let you describe yourself. What would you say to um, allay fears that maybe um, your presidency would change um, the character of the convention? Or how would you preserve conservative gains, I guess, would be another way to ask that question. Well, I appreciate that, Jerry. And I I would love to know where these concerns are coming from because they're not coming from anyone that would know me at all. And so, uh, but there are some people that have those concerns and... uh, I would hope I could say I understand them, but I, I don't understand them. I was asked to write the book of the commentary on Jonah for the New American Commentary Series, which, as we well know, is uh, very conservative. That's right. When I was in Georgia, I uh, took a strong stand against churches that ordained homosexuals, led the way to change our Constitution to do away with that. I led the way, uh, part of the, I was one of the part of the team and the administration committee that led to adopt the Baptist Faith Message 2000 for the state of Georgia as our doctrinal parameters. So I, uh, I, I believe I'm being called a big tent conservative because I do want to involve far more people. Mm. Yes, I'm tired of seeing the same names over and over. I affirm the conservative resurgence. Absolutely. I'm an inerrantist. Sure. I believe in the infallible Word of God. 
But I do believe there are a lot of people out there in small and medium and, yes, large-sized churches that have never been involved and never been allowed to participate, and I think they need to be sought out not to change theological direction at all. And I want that as clear as anything could ever be clear. I will only seek to involve and appoint inerrantists. But I do believe there are a lot of, there's a lot of great wisdom out there ready to be tapped from young guys, older guys, small church guys that just wait and somebody say, we'd love to use you too. And that's who I am. I tell people I'm an irenic, irenic conservative. I believe the Bible. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad at anybody. Now, the two other candidates are godly, wonderful men. And I have no suspicions about them. I have no concerns about them. This whole thing to me, Jerry, has been about, it's, it's not about personality. Those are great guys. I hope I'm not um, totally inappropriately saying that I, I hope I'm okay too, but uh, it's not about theology. I, I believe everybody that's involved is, is extreme conservative. I mean, I was picked on in my graduate days by being a fundamentalist, and some of the guys that I was in school with would uh, pick up me because I squeaked when I walked. and. Yeah, I'm conservative. I'm not ashamed of that. But I also uh, believe that there's room for other folk and want to get them involved as best I can. And so that's all I can say. I, I, you know, I don't know why there would be concerns. I have not been a politically involved. Maybe that's the reason. I felt a freedom to allow my name to be uh, brought forth simply to get things discussed. I really, I've never in my life sought this office. I, I laughed when the first person called me about it. And I will tell you that came from a dear brother in Missouri, uh, an executive out there. I, I, I laughed. I, I said, you know, I'm not nas- nationally known. Uh, I guess maybe now. I don't know. But I just thought, well, if I can at least get some things discussed, like the cooperative program, about what holds us together, if we can, if we can broaden the tent of involvement, not theologically, but simply numerically involve more godly men and women, praise the Lord. I do see and believe, and I think this is true, that the issues are being discussed now. People are asking, what's the future of our convention? Uh, what should our leaders be like? Uh, should they support the cooperative program? Uh, is it really important anymore? And I, I see in some ways this whole election as a referendum on our future. Your church gives how much to the cooperative program? Um, I'm not real good at numbers, Jerry, but it's uh, last year was like 530-some thousand, uh, and I think that equates to about 12-point-something, 12.2%, 3%. Has that been trending up or down for your church? It has been. Our, the numbers have been, the amount's been going up over the last several years. The percentage has come down some. When I got there five and a half years ago, we did no mission work other than give, mm-hmm. other than on a local basis. And so this has enabled us to uh, dramatically expand what I call a balanced approach, and that's give heavily the SBC through the corporate program and to do a massive missions program on our own. So we do both. Last question. I'm talking to Dr. Frank Page. We share something in that your Ph.D. is in ethics. Mine is as well. You're at Southwestern, mine from Southern. But you uh, were really a student under T.B. Maston. Well, that's the interview with Dr. Johnson, Frank Page. Uh, we'll come back to that around the corner as well as the interview with Fred Barnes. Please stay with us. We'll see you on the other side of the break. This is Jerry Johnson Live, Denny Burke sitting in.
Jerry Johnson Live, a daily one-hour Christian worldview radio show first aired. Hosted by Jerry Johnson, the president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, it was our vision to present discussion of topics in the news with newsmakers and experts in areas that affect our lives and impact our faith. You've heard discussion about recent Supreme Court nominees, cases before the high court, as well as movies in the Oscars, abortion, the war in Iraq, development of nuclear weapons by Iran, immigration and border security, terrorism, the emerging church, educating our children, and other topics. Along with hearing about these issues, you've had a place to express your own ideas. If Jerry Johnson Live is providing an important and valuable resource for you, we invite you to consider supporting this program financially. Gifts to Criswell College in support of Jerry Johnson Live are tax deductible. Go to our website, jerryjohnsonlive.com, to find out how you can give, whether by check or by credit or debit card. That's jerryjohnsonlive.com. Today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Denny Burke. We're continue to, continuing to get calls from listeners about the Calvinism debate at the Southern Baptist Convention. We are out of time for callers right now, but if you'd like to see more coverage of this, please visit my website, www.dennyburke.com. That's D-E-N-N-Y-B-U-R-K.com. I've written about it there. Under the section on Southern Baptists, that's www.dennyburke.com. You can read more about the Southern Baptist and Calvinist debate at the Southern Baptist Convention. Right now, we've got another interview. We pretty much were at the end of that last interview with Dr. Johnson and Frank Page. And, but Dr. Johnson also interviewed the editor of the Weekly Standard, Fred Barnes. My guest is Fred Barnes. He's executive editor of the Weekly Standard. He is host of Beltway Boys on Fox News. He is the author of a book, Rebel in Chief, 
about President George Bush. Welcome to the program, Fred. Thanks. Glad to be here. Fred, tell us about this book, Rebel in Chief, and really about the president. We're here at the Southern Baptist Convention, and I'd really like to know what you learned about the president's faith. Well, uh, I knew a lot about his faith to begin with. I'd written a story about it and talked to him about it back when he was governor, actually, in 1999, when he was just getting ready to run for president. So I knew it was an intense uh, faith. I think of him as, uh, as really the first product of the modern evangelical movement to be in the White House. And I discussed it more when I interviewed him uh, last summer for the book. So, uh, look, a lot of politicians, you wonder whether their faith is really real. They may talk about it, but you wonder whether that's just not for public consumption. I am absolutely convinced that Bush's Christian faith is totally real. It's something that uh, is with him all day. He says he prays in the Oval Office and other places in the White House. Uh, he reads Oswald Chambers every morning. Uh, he goes through the Bible uh, once a year. And uh, I've been around enough Christians, being one myself, someone who came to Christ uh, as an adult, and I, I think I have a, a pretty good antenna of, of whether they're for real or not. And, and believe me, this president's for real when it comes to his Christian beliefs. Well, we noticed the president has just called a war conference, a war council. We're in this aftermath of the Zarqawi death. Uh, some of the Democrats are calling for now a pullout, an exit strategy. Yeah. Uh, what do you think this president is going to do, and what do you think we should do? Well, I think he's not going to pull out. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that... You know, we kill the terrorist leader and then do what he wanted to have happen, which is for American troops <laughs> to leave. Right. This, is, this was the goal of Zarqawi, the, uh, the terrorist leader who was killed. And uh, it would just be insane, to, and, it, and it's illogical to say, well, okay, he's dead, so now we retreat. That's nuts. That's not what the president's going to do. That's not what he should do. Uh, he's had this war cabinet meeting at Camp David and then flown to Iraq itself uh, because I think we're going to see a significant step up uh, in uh, offensive activity there, a real counterinsurgency campaign that begins with uh, driving all the terrorists out of Baghdad and Basra, the two main cities, and then once that's achieved, and that'll take some time, uh, months rather than weeks, then they'll move to uh, into the terrorist territory and, uh, and, and really try to neutralize them completely. But uh, I think we're going to see uh, something very significant happening in Iraq and being on offense and not running for the exit. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Fred Barnes. If you watch Fox News, you've seen him on Beltway Boys. You've seen him on Special Report with Brent Hume. He's the author of a book about President Bush just out called Rebel in Chief. Fred, I used to watch you all the time on McLaughlin Book uh, Group, <laughs> and uh, you, you follow the elections. You've always followed what's happening in politics. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the fall. A lot of people are afraid that Republicans might lose the House or the Senate. We've just seen these uh, by-elections out in California mm -hmm. and elsewhere. What are you seeing, Dow? What are you trending and predicting for the Senate and the House this fall? Well, I thought the California election you referred to, Jerry, is uh, quite significant. It's, uh, it was one in which uh, Democrats really thought they had a chance to win, and uh, as it turned out, they got what is the normal vote for a Democratic candidate in a district where you would have thought they might have done better because the prior congressman there, uh, Duke Cunningham, was convicted of corruption and he's in the slammer at the moment. So, uh, or if he's not there, he's about to go. Uh, the, uh, I mean, it seemed ripe for a, a, a Democratic seat to be picked off by Democrats and they didn't do it. Which leads me to believe, now these uh, special elections aren't necessarily predictive, but it doesn't look like we're going to see another 1994, in other words, a landslide for one party. 
Republicans pulled it off in 94, and I don't think Democrats can pull it off in 2006. One, I don't think they can win the Senate, and I think they'll win some House seats, but, but uh, I think it, it, if you had to predict right now, you'd say they may come up a little short in the House of Representatives as well. They'll win some seats, but not, uh, but not the 15 needed. Now, conditions may change over the next couple months. As it turns out, President Bush has had some real good news in the last few weeks, but right. uh, we're still months away from the November 7th election. Hey, let's talk about 2008 for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see on the Democrat side for president? Do you think it's going to be Hillary? Is Al Gore going to run? Well, I, I think Al Gore is going to have a hard time resisting. He says he's not going to run, but uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be difficult for him to, to, to stay out. Now, Hillary, is, uh, it's certainly not going to be a slam dunk for Hillary, who has antagonized the left wing of the party, which is very large, because uh, she voted for the war in Iraq, and and unlike John Kerry, she has not repudiated her vote. So it's going to be it's going to be very lively. She'll start out as the front runner, but John Kerry wants to run. John Edwards, uh, remember, who was Kerry's running mate, is already in the race, uh, and right. we're going to see a number of others there, all taking pot shots at Hillary, and I think she's going to have a tough time. So, and, and if it's not her, it's hard to know who the Democratic nominee would be. But remember, Democrats will pick somebody who starts out with zero name recognition even. Remember, they did this with McGovern in 72 and Carter in 76 and even Bill Clinton in 92. Fred, I've seen you talk with Mort about the seriousness of the marriage amendment. Mm -hmm. I know uh, what you think about it in terms of the sincerity of those that support it. We're here at the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm -hmm. McCain obviously didn't take a stand for this amendment. How do you see that um, affecting McCain in the primary season for the nomination for well, the Republicans. Well, Jerry, I think it will have some impact. I mean, uh, certainly social and religious conservatives uh, regard the, the uh, marriage amendment as one that's extremely important. I certainly regard it as that. And rather than the fact that uh, McCain went to visit uh, Jerry Falwell and gave a commencement address right. at the university, I think something more tangible that's important uh, as we look ahead is, is the marriage protection amendment. And, and uh, for McCain, uh, uh, that's a vote that I think will, uh, it's going to be hard to uh, explain to social and religious conservatives. They're not going to buy his vote as saying, well, we ought to leave it to the states. And who do you think uh, could challenge him? Is there a dark horse on the Republican side that could come up? Well, there are a number of dark horses. Uh, uh, Bitt Romney is one who is uh, very impressive, at, at least the first time you meet him. Uh, he's a Mormon, and that, that may not be uh, uh, popular with a lot of people. And you never—we don't know what Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York, is going to do, who was so uh, such a, power, a tower of strength after 9/11. But I suspect he's probably going to run. And then there's George Allen of Virginia, who's a conservative Republican senator, and and someone who is probably the dark horse, George Allen. That's Fred Barnes, executive editor of the Weekly Standard, host of Beltway Boys, and author of a book about President Bush. Rebel in Chief, thank you, Fred. We hope to have you back sometime soon. Very good, Jerry. Thank you. That was Jerry Johnson, and that was Jerry Johnson and Fred Barnes. Join us tomorrow as we look at today's issues for Christ and culture. Thank you. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.